Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2021 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Welcome to the New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Ludicky. It is great to be with you here today, and we've got uh, an awesome guest today that I think you will really enjoy. But before we get to that, I want to remind you to go to HockeyJournal.com, subscribe, get our access to our exclusive content. We're looking forward to bringing you many more stories on hockey throughout the region at all levels. Today's guest is former Boston College hockey player, star, and Boston Bruins prospect Chris Collins. He played uh, four years for the Eagles and went on to a pro career in the AHL, ECHL, and Europe in Finland and Germany. And he is now currently at uh, Bishop Kearney Selects program in Rochester, New York, where he is the hockey director and the coach of the BK Selects 15-only hockey team. We're glad to bring you our conversation with Chris Collins. Okay, we're here with Chris Collins, former Boston College forward, professional hockey player, and currently program director and 15-only head coach of BK Selects in Rochester. Chris, uh, did I get that right? Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Yeah, you nailed it. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank, thanks for having me on. No, we're we're so glad to have you again. You're a you're a New York guy. You played uh, hockey, your college hockey in Boston. Um, spent a little time in the Boston Bruins uh, organization, and now you're you're molding and you're developing young hockey players. And you've, you guys have built a pretty impressive program there. And 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 and, and we just want to 
share your insights, get some, get some, some knowledge from you and your, your perspectives. And so we're, we're, we're really glad to have you on. Uh, how's everything going? Uh, you know, you guys were just up in, uh, in New England here this past week, weekend in Massachusetts, uh, doing the, uh, Eastern exposure or the exposure, uh, cup series there in, in Foxborough. And, uh, how, how did that all go for you guys? Yeah, it was great. Uh, had the 14, 15 down there. Um, you know, really good weekend. 14, you know, had some ups and downs. Um, the 15s played really well. They had a little bit of a tough start against St. Louis. Um, some travel, you know, these 15 year old kids are, it's, it's a pretty arduous schedule. They're, they're busting down 90. They're getting in late. They're getting up in the morning after going to school and, um, you know, had a couple of good games and we had a nice little comeback against Victory Honda. And then the team went on a, a tear from there and ended up beating the Sabres in the semis and then Windy City in the final two nothing. So it was a good, um, really good weekend for our 15s. It's been a, like I was saying, it's been a long fall, a lot of travel, a lot of games. Um, and we're just, just winding it down the, the fall season and getting into our next phase of our season, which is more home games and state qualifying stuff back here and a lot more practice and training, um, kind of home base in the winter, obviously going down 90 in the winter is a little bit tougher than, than the fall. So we try to get our travel out of the way early on. I've been really impressed, with, and, and we'll get more. We'll, we'll go into it more toward the end of the of the podcast. But but just for what it's worth, I've been impressed watching your teams. Not just you know, not just the the, the, the fifteens. I have not yet seen, or actually, correction, I have. I've seen fourteens, fifteens. I've seen your sixteens and your eighteens. So um, I actually did get a chance to see the fourteens. Forgot about that. They were in, in Attleboro. Um, just impressive. Like the, good teams play a certain way. Uh, you obviously need the talent, but I think you 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 guys have certainly, uh, and your, your staff and your coaches on, on the various teams have, have done a good job of, of bringing in players and then and then executing any given weekend. The BK selects teams are usually pretty competitive. Are you guys pretty happy with with the results so far? Yeah, we're thrilled. I think um, you know, like you said, it, you have a lot of talented players, um, but you know, it's a progression. You know, these kids are coming from youth hockey and different cities and different markets. And a lot of the, a lot of the players here at the program are, um, you know, we're, we're stars where they grew up and they were always the biggest, strongest, fastest player. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily real hockey. So, uh, you know, our, our biggest challenge here at BK is, is to teach the kids the game and, and not just to try to beat players one-on-one and, you know, come across the blue line and, and try to toe drag and score a highlight goal. It's, it's how to be hockey players, how to do all the intangible things, block shots, win, win battles, you know, um, be good teammates, character, character players. That's really what we're trying to do here. So, um, you know, playing away from the puck, all the stuff that you talk about, uh, that's super important at the next level we're trying to ingrain in these kids. So, um, we're happy with the fall. Like I said, it's been a lot of travel. Each team is almost over 30 games in the fall, which is a lot. Um, you know, maybe this next year we'll dial it back a little bit, but, um, you know, it's, it's been good. We're really happy. All, all four teams are in the top 10, you know, in the country at the moment. Um, and we got a girls program over here too that has their their two teams is in the top ten as well. So um, it's been good, a lot of success. But you can see the development of the players is really coming along, which is our biggest you know biggest uh, value here. For all all teams in the top ten, man, it's kind of it's tough to argue with that. <laughs> Results oriented business, uh, getting the job done. That's great to hear, Chris. So uh, let's let's go back. Let's go back in time and kind of talk about your background and and, and how you came up in hockey. Uh, your, your list is Fairport home for you or was it where you grew up? Yeah. Yep. I grew up in Fairport, uh, east side suburb of Rochester, uh, grew up here ever since I was, 
you know, born, my grandfather built a rink in my backyard or my father's backyard. And then my, my father carried on the tradition. Um, you know, so we had a rink in our backyard since I, since I can remember. So I learned to skate when I was a little, little guy around one or two. <laughs> um, and I have a younger brother, Greg, who, who played at UNH, uh, grew up with me and we had some backyard brawls and all that, but we we're best buddies now. So a lot of fun growing up in, in Fairport, um, played youth hockey in Rochester for a while. And then I ended up going to, to Syracuse. Uh, playing for the Syracuse Stars at the time, and Don Kernan, a uh, pretty prevalent name in, in Central New York hockey. Um, you know Matt Murley, Tim Connolly, some of the names that he coached growing up, and JD Forrest now in, is coaching in Wilkes-Barre. Um, I grew up idolizing those guys and playing for Don Kernan, and um, you know it was a really nice way to grow up. Uh, you know having the backyard rink at home, and that's really where I developed all the skill. Um, you know, and the skating and, and really the love for the game was, was home in, in, in my backyard. And I think that's true to today. Like the, the more you can play outdoors and, and just have fun playing, the, you know, the longer you're going to play. And, uh, you know, Syracuse was a great place to go, uh, for youth. And then when I was 13, I ended up going to Toronto, played in the GTHL, which at the time was the MTHL, um, played for the Vaughn Kings up there for a year, uh, in the Toronto Red Wings the second year. So did a couple of years up there and then I came back to Fairport. Uh, for a couple of years of high school hockey, and then I uh, went to Taft uh, down in Connecticut my junior year in high school, which was an amazing experience with Coach Mike Mayer, played with guys like Ryan Shannon. Um, just a special a special year for me at Taft, um, and then I ended up going out to Des Moines uh, my senior year in high school, and uh, that was you know that was really the year that that got me ready to get to Boston College as a true freshman. So um, that was you know pretty crazy path I went through, but wouldn't have traded for anything. And again, I, I really all the different places you travel and all that, it all goes back to the backyard rink and, and just falling in love with the game of hockey. Yeah. And now tell me more about your experience in Canada. Cause not there, there, especially up in, in this area in, in new England, you are, you you are from, from New York and, and closer to, to Canada in that regard. But that, that had to have been interesting. And what was the, the competition that you faced like, and how did it, how did it make you better as a player? Yeah, it was tough. You know, you're, you're coming up there and you're, it was me and, and two other American players on the team. Um, our parents rented a, a condo in Oakville, Ontario. So the three families took turns, run, parents staying up there with us. And I think everyone in, in Rochester and Syracuse thought our parents were crazy. <laughs> um, but you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty, it was a great experience. That was the year to go to the Quebec Pee tournament. So, um, you know, getting up there and playing with some of the best players in Ontario. Plenty, you know, guys like Rick Nash and and some of those big name Toronto players was a uh, was a challenge in the beginning. But you know, I think we we had to kind of fight our way through practice and prove to the to the Canadian kids that you know we weren't just these Americans coming in there. We were actually going to help the team and and uh, you know bring something to the table. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't easy the first two months. I legitimately some fights in the practices and you had to prove to these guys you were you were tough and you could play and. Um, I had a good connection with Don Cherry. My grandfather and Don Cherry were best buddies. So uh, Don Cherry, you know, would come to the games. And, and once all the all the boys saw Don Cherry come to the game, I think uh, my credibility went up a little bit. So that helped that, that helped out. Uh, but two great years up in Toronto really set the tone for me going forward. Uh, smaller guy. I had to, to fight and scrap and play gritty and, and, and earn my way into lineups. And um, that helped me at Taft. It helped me in Des Moines and it carried me right through my entire career, having that edge. Um, I don't think enough players have it these days. You gotta, you don't have the edge. You're not, you know, you gotta fight for your spot. So 
um, that's that's something we're trying to do here at BK too is teach these kids that. So that that was a big deal for me going to Toronto. It's not the size of the dog; it's the size of the fight in the dog that counts, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So you you know you you ended up in Des Moines, and, and you know I being a, being a Western Conference guy when I was at Omaha, I just. There was something about the Bucky Arena, uh, going going to that old hockey building, and you know a lot of the a lot of the younger kids, and and I don't know how you felt about it at the time. We'll get into that, but a lot of the younger kids now, you know, they go they go in there and they're just kind of like, oh, this place is, you know, it's old and it's kind of decrepit and run down. And I say, no, it's got character. Kind of reminds me of the rink in Youngblood, and um, what a what an atmosphere, uh, you know, for for people up here that have never been out there and, and haven't haven't experienced a game in in Des Moines at, at Buccaneer Arena what was it like for you to play in front of those those crowds and to be on the teams that uh that you were on back then yeah it was incredible it was incredible I I love that rink uh it's like you said it's old school it's a barn um there's some great hockey teams that that came through there's some great players great coaches uh the fan base is what got me I mean I I was planning on going back to Taft and I went out to training camp and uh I walked into training camp. We had the all-star game there. And I think there was like 2,500 fans, the all-star game in the middle of the middle of July. So I was, uh, I was sold once I saw that. Um, but it was tough. Like I said, same idea as Toronto, like going up there and I was a young kid. I was 17. Um, I had to wear the full shield. All the other guys had the half shields on. So, um, you know, I had no shame. I go to the front of the net and get my stick up and not try to knock guys teeth out. Cause I knew I had a cage on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, it was, it was a it was a great experience for me. Um, living in Des Moines, I had an amazing host family. Uh, Bob and Judy Birds were were my billets, and that was a that was a huge thing as a seventeen year old going to high school there, having a, a great billet family. Um, Bob Ferguson was the coach, unbelievable guy. Was tough on me though, and you know, and Chris, you got to earn it, um, you know. And, and really, that was my first ever fight was in the USHL uh, against a Sioux Falls player. So. Um, just like all the way through every year, you, you learn different things and you pick up different things from older guys. And, you know, I was a 17 year old kid playing against 20 year olds. Um, and it was tough, but, uh, it was, it was, you know, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I love the city of Des Moines. Um, still have some really, really good friends back there. Um, just an amazing place to play hockey. Some great eateries in Des Moines, and it's the, you know, for people who may not know, it's the the pork capital of the United States, and so, you know, a lot of, lot of hog farmers in and around there, a lot of corn. Uh, one of your teammates is a guy you've, you, you have had a connection with over the years, Brett Skinner, uh, who you, is a, if I'm not mistaken, also played with on the Providence Bruins, and, and um, you know, just how was it getting just... You, you you mentioned it. You were you were coming from the Northeast. You're going out to a league that was back then, especially predominantly Midwestern guys. And so you and you and uh, Brett Skinner were were coming from different parts of the of the continent and, and coming together in Des Moines. How was uh, how was that to play with him and, and maintain that relationship with him over the years? Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, me and Skins are best buddies even today. Um, obviously, he's in Sioux Falls now, and and uh, you know we're trying to trying to get some players out to, to see him. Um, but one of my closest friends, like I said, he, he was, uh, he was new to the league as well. Um, you know, we lived about three houses down from each other. So that was nice, able to hang out. And, um, like you said, I grew up playing in the Northeast and went to Taft and prep school and all that. And then you get out to Des Moines and you're playing with Canadian kids. You're playing with, with 20 year olds with beards and you got to figure it out. You got to figure out a way to, to be effective. You got to figure out a way to, if you're not playing power play, how to manufacture points, how to manufacture goals. 
um, you know, and, and me and Brett both kind of went through that at a similar time together. So um, friendship means a lot to me and, and uh, I ended up getting lucky enough to play with them in Providence, which same idea there, you know, we were, we both had to battle and, and really earn our way through the coaching staff there. And I think it, we were leaning on our, our years in Des Moines, um, you know, to do that. So uh, love skins, great guy. Uh, I always love seeing him around the rinks now too. So. Yeah, he is. He, he is, and he won a he won a Clark Cup with the with the Stampede. Always a worthy opponent. Uh, it was always nice to see him, and it's and, and I still do. You know, see him see him in the rinks. and was up for the Fall Classic. It, hockey is a is a small world. So let's talk about Boston College. How did uh, how did the recruiting process uh, come together for you? How did you end up there? And uh, and um, you know, were you ready to go? Uh, were you prepared for that that the grind of the hockey East and the high expectations that that follow the Eagles every year when you got there? Yeah, I mean, BC was always a, a place I dreamed of going. Like growing up in Rochester, you had guys Marty Reisner really started the train from from the Rochester area up to BC. Brian Gianta was next, and obviously Brian Gianta being a smaller guy, undersized, I was I mean, I idolized Grant Brian growing up. I'd go and watch him play up in the the OJ with the Niagara Scenics and he'd be fighting for his life against these older guys and bigger, stronger guys. And I, I took a lot of what Brian did as a player and tried to put it into my game. So I, I idolized him. He went to BC. And, and from that point on, that's where I wanted to go. Um, you know, I went to Taft and, and I played in a line with Ryan Shannon, who Ryan Shannon was already committed to Boston College at the time. So that was huge. Mike Cavanaugh, um, Scott Pollock and Coach York would come to the games at Taft to check in on Shannon and I was his left winger. So that was a nice way to, to get on their radar. Um, you know, and then going out to Des Moines, I hadn't, I didn't have a commitment yet at the time. Um, I, you know, I was battling, like I said, in the fall to try to get in the lineup and, and earn my way up. And, and um, I had, a, had an okay fall in Des Moines, just probably, you know, a couple points here and there. And then Christmas time, I just had, a, I just finally turned it around and Jerry York came out to watch me play in person. Um, and he offered me the scholarship that night, uh, which was a pretty special night for me and my family. My parents were out there too. I had a big gash over my eye. It was just a couple of stitches. So, there you go. <laughs> um, it Hockey was a fun night though. Hockey yeah, player. exactly. <laughs> I don't know how I had a, a gash in my eye, I had a full mask on, but somehow it happened. Well, that's um, even better, right? That probably, that he, coach York was probably saying the same thing. If he had any misgivings, they were gone after that, man. But yeah. we're, we're going full bore with the Collins here. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I, um, you know, I did a couple of visits to schools. I, I, uh, I had a soft spot for St. Lawrence. At the time, my grandfather went there. I had a place up in the Thousand Islands, and I, I loved the St. Lawrence region, old school tradition. So I, I did a visit there at St. Lawrence uh, before I committed to BC. But um, I committed to BC shortly after, um, and I just I, I was, you know, I wasn't ready to go at the time. But then I, at the spring in Des Moines, I had a really good, good. You know, I ended up I think third or fourth in the league in scoring somewhere up there as a rookie. Um, again, having to fight my way through the league, and you know, playing against older, bigger, stronger kids, and and I felt nervous to go to BC as a true freshman, but, um, you know, I played with Ryan Shannon the, the year before at Taft and he had had some success as a freshman. So I felt pretty good going there with Shannon and I, I got on a line with him right away as a freshman and me, me, Shannon and Dave Spina, uh, you know, we were basically second line at BC as a freshman, um, played behind guys like Tony Vos and Ben Eves and some unbelievable players. Um, we had a great year. You know, we, we were top five in the country, I think pretty much all my, all four of my years. Um, and, uh, and I was line mates with Patrick Eves at times. So when you play with great players like that, um, you know, it makes things easier for you and you, you try to pick things up from their game that, that you can incorporate into your game. So by the time I was a senior at BC, I was probably a combination of about, you know, 15 to 20 different players that I, that I stole stuff from. 
<laughs> right. You know but, what? I, yeah. Going back to Des Moines just for a, a quick second, but what I love about when just looking at the statistics, you know, sixty-five points. You led the team in scoring. That was your. You were a rookie, so sixty-five point season for anybody is, is is pretty darn good. That probably had you gone back for a second year turns into ninety to a hundred points. You know, the following year, because uh, that's typically what happens in the USHL, right? The guys will really take that that step in the second year, but also one hundred and twelve pims. So you're not kidding when you talk about fighting your way through or, 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 or getting to the net or doing the things you had to do. Because, and, and, and that's the thing. If you're, if you're a guy that, especially at the time when, when, when hockey teams at all levels were, were sometimes averse to giving guys that were a little, you know, on the smaller side of the, the spectrum opportunities, you had to really, you know, it's that old adage is a big guy has to prove he can't play, whereas a young guy has to prove he can or a smaller guy has to prove he can. And that was, that's kind of been you, your, your whole career. You kind of been that, that underdog that's had to prove himself in every situation. Am I, am I on target with that? No. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're spot on. I, I played up as a little kid growing up here. So I was fighting against the bigger guys. And like I said, in Toronto and at Taft, same thing in Des Moines, same thing. I think if I look back at Des Moines, I was in the all-star game at Sioux Falls and I, I was probably the only guy ever to get in a fight in the, in a, in an all-star game. So um, I just, I just played with an edge and I, you know, I always felt like I had something to prove, like you said, and, you know, every day in practice, like you just, you got to come in. You, you know, I, I felt like I had to kind of fight for my spot every single day and nothing changed at BC. You get in there as a freshman and, you know, who was the best player at the time is Tony Vokes. And he was a all American left winger. And, you know, first day of captain's practice, he comes at me and I just, just cross check, <laughs> you know, I go after him and Vokes is like, okay, Chris, settle down here. Like this is, you know, but that's just how it was. And I, I, I kind of I took that and I, I used it my whole career and, um, you know, and it ended up getting me pretty far. But um, it's really important for the young kids these days to, to have that. And if you don't have it, there's just so many good players out there. It's tough to it's tough to do it. So you don't always have to be scoring all the goals and you got to figure out a way to, to contribute and, um, you know, just make the co- make it so the coaches have to play it. You got it. You know, it's just it's impossible um, for them to not put you out in the ice was was my was my thought. So, um yeah, I definitely had that edge all the way through. <laughs> that's that's such an important point. Let's you know again. Let's let's look at that because you're a coach now, right? And, and you're faced with lineup decisions all the time, and you have to manage your your roster, and you have to decide, you know, who's playing. And and, and it's so I think it's it's so important for players to hear, especially from someone like you that that that, that did it. And you know, you were a guy that that scored a lot at, at, at the lower levels, and then you got to Boston College, and you, you were still scoring. But there were you that maybe wasn't your role at first. It, it eventually evolved into it. But in order to stay in a lineup, if you're not scoring, you better bring something else to the table. You know, whether you're tough to play against or you're really good defensively, responsible, reliable, all of these attributes. And and I think sometimes in our culture. You know whether it's parents, whether it's social media, uh, a lot of the younger players get wrapped around the axle on just the scoring and the the goals and the points. And mom and dad will approach me at the rink and say, "My son had fifty goals and 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 one hundred and twenty points last year." And they've lost sight of the fact that that you know statistics are nice, but but without context, you really can't do anything with them. But it all comes down to to habits, details, and doing the little things that'll keep you in the lineup if the scoring dries up for you. Yes, hundred percent, and that's you know every level you get to, you're not going to start out as the top six forward or the top four D or power play minutes, and that's just not realistic. So you've got to figure out a way to get in the lineup and and have an impact every night in some way. And in Des Moines, early on, that was that was blocking shots and penalty killing, and you know 
having the offensive ability to, to pick up a shorty here or there, change the momentum of a game. Um, you know, same thing at BC. I, I could have gone to a, a different college and probably been a, a star player right when I was a freshman. And instead of doing that, I went to BC and, and I grinded. You know, there was my freshman year, I did pretty well. And then sophomore, junior year, I only had 15, 16 points a year. And, you know, I was a, I was a penalty killer. I had block shots, you know, gritty. Um, and that was really my, my identity at, at college, right? And then senior year, um, I got some opportunities to play some special teams and play some power play. And one thing led to another confidence started snowballing and, you know, go from 16 points my junior year to, to leading the country in scoring my senior year and almost went to the Hobie Baker, which was pretty, pretty different, pretty big turnaround. Um, but it's really just a, 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 that senior year was a product of all the different years of me going through these different, these battles and, and learning how to, to adjust and, and trying to fit in the lineup any possible way I could. Um, whether that was big time power play minutes or whether that was just three shifts a period going out there, not screwing up and making sure I, I got the puck out when the wall came, up to, you know, the puck came up the wall in the, on the, in the D zone. You got to get that out. You got to win that battle. Um, you got to block that shot. Like that's the stuff you got to do to get, to eventually get the opportunities to get the, the points and all that. So a lot of young kids don't understand that process. And that's really what we're trying to do uh, here at BK, especially. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. If you love college hockey and want an inside look at the game, get a copy of the book, Great Game, D1 College Hockey, People, Places, Perspectives. From the emotions of Frozen Fours to the atmosphere and classic venues, Bruce Haas has captured the passion that people have for the college game through interviews with players, coaches, officials, and fans. No other book captures the spirit of college hockey like this does. Great Game makes a great gift for the holidays for a college hockey fan. Score your copy of Great Game today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Ataskabooks.com, or at your local bookstore. Now, who were some of the tougher opponents you, you faced in the Hockey East? I mean, look, just looking back at the years, so you were there from 02 to 06. Pretty, pretty darn good hockey players, you know, not just from BC, but, you know, throughout the conference that, that came out and, and went pro, and many have gone on to have, you know, very successful NHL careers. And it's hard to believe we're 15 years since 
you know, since you, you, you finished <laughs> up there, but uh, you know, who are some of the, 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 the players you went up against that you really made you better or you looked, you know, you, you, you competed against them or you, you watched them from afar and you said, okay, that, that guy does something that I can, I can adopt in my own game and, 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 and use it to, to, to be successful in my own right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. There's this, there's so many good players in hockey. East. Um, yeah, I remember Jason Guerrero at Northeastern. Northeastern wasn't, you know, the top team in the, the league back then, but Guerrero was so shifty and, and skilled. And I remember watching him being like, man, this kid's, this kid's good. I, I'd like to adopt some of his things. And then, you know, you play against teams like Maine who are just big and tough and strong. And, you know, Greg Moore, I, he was an 84 birth year. So I played against Greg Moore my whole life. Um, and he was just an unbelievable, just a power forward, you know, and you go up to Maine right. and Orono and you're battling against guys like him and, Jimmy Howard and that grew up playing against him as well. And, um, you know, he was a, he was a great goalie at Maine. Obviously went on to have a nice career. Um, you know, UNH had all the skill guys. They had Sean Collins and, and, uh, you know, Steve Saviano, some of those names there were just Darren Hadar was there for it for a year. Um, you know, just you look back and you're like, obviously the players at BC helped sculpt me, you know, the guys I play with every day in practice and, and live with in the dorms and went to class with, but the players you play against. And as a young freshman, sophomore, you, you look at these, you're watching that you're on the bench, watching these games. And you remember watching the, the UNH and the frozen four, or, you know, two years later, two years before you saw them play on ESPN. And you're out, now you're out there and you're on the ice with these guys. And it's a little bit of a, a shock to the system, but um, it's pretty special. And that's why you, that's why you go to places like that. And, you know, it, it just helps you become a better player. Coach York, what kind of influence did he have on you? Yeah, I can't say enough about Coach York. Um, you know, we had our ups and downs, and he held, held me accountable in the classroom a little more than I wanted to. <laughs> um, uh, the truth you know, comes out, huh? <laughs> not yeah, just about no, hockey. Know, right? you know, there's no secret about that. <laughs> Coach York, uh, an unbelievable mentor, um, just a guy that, that surrounds himself with great people and has zero tolerance, um, you know, for a bad culture or, or a bad teammate. Um, he, he recruits character players, you know, um, he's been doing it for a long time. Obviously, the, the continued success and the, the consistent success he has is, is built off the way he just does things every day. He shows up every single day. He's prepared. He's passionate. He's, he's very rarely in a bad mood. You know, even if even if you have a tough weekend, he comes in and he's he's kind of he gets to go in and he's, he's got quotes of the day every day. All the little things that that at the time I was like, man, what is all this stuff for? You know, you look back and and you're like, wow, that that guy really sculpted me. Um, as a person, not just a hockey player, you know, with the Mike Cavanaugh and, and Ron Rolston were there and, and Greg Brown at the end of the last two years, those guys really helped me on the hockey side, the details you talk about and the, you know, how to be effective on the power play penalty kill, that kind of stuff. But coach York really developed me as a, as a human being. Um, and that's, that's what he does. That's what he's done all the way along. And I think all the players that played for him can say the same thing. And last thing I'll say about coach York is I signed a contract with the Boston Bruins in July and uh, I get a call from Coach York, and, I, and I'm thinking he's calling me to congratulate on my NHL contract. But all he was calling me to con- congratulate me for was passing my summer French class, so I graduated. So <laughs> he could care less about my contract with the Bruins. He was just happy that I graduated Boston College. So, he, you know, uh, it's a, he's, a pretty, he's a very special guy and still really close with him to, to this day. Yeah, I mean, I, and I remember calling you right around that time to talk to you about signing that contract with the Bruins. It's it's funny you look back and the time the time that's gone by, and you had an opportunity uh, signed with the Bruins again, and and uh, had to be exciting for you because you can't help but 
you know, when you're going to college in Boston, especially at BC, get caught up in, in what's going on with the NHL team in the in, in the city. Just take us through how that, that, that process went, how it came together for you to, to, to end up turning pro at the end of your college career and, and, and going into the Boston Bruins system when you did. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty incredible 12 months. Um, you know, I probably went in my junior summer, like I said, I had 15, 16 points, something like that. And I was thinking, okay, this is probably my last year playing hockey. Uh, I'm going to probably play at BC my senior year. Maybe I'll go over and do a year or two in Europe just to have some fun. Um, not had no real, I thought I've, Personally, I thought I was always good enough to play in the NHL. If you don't think that, then what are you doing? Right. Um, you know, but realistically, was that going to happen I, with the numbers that I was having at BC? Probably not. And I'll, and then I go to my senior year. I'm like, all right, let's just have some fun and play hockey and, and try to enjoy my last year. And then that, that senior year happens, which was pretty magical. Um, and like I said, confidence is a crazy thing. You start to build some confidence early in the year. One thing leads to another, um, you know, and, and Steve Bartlett, my agent at the time, was like, hey, Chris, looks like you're going to be able to sign an NHL contract. And I was like, really? I, just, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I was a free agent and, you know, waited till mid-July. Um, had a couple of different teams we were talking to. And again, I was pretty wide-eyed. I had no idea really what was going on. I, that was up to, the, to my agent. And he uh, ended up signing, signing me with the Bruins. And um, it was great. The Bruins weren't great at the time. Um, you know, they were, they were kind of just before they, they really hit the scene with all of the young guys. Um, but the Providence Bruins at the time were incredibly good, um, with Scott Gordon and they had, you know, I think they had almost won the league the year before I got there. So I walked into Providence my first year and that was tough. Like there was some great players there. Um, you know, I was in rookie camp with David Crutchy and, and, um, a bunch of those young guys, Adam McQuaid, you know, my roommate at the time, uh, just an unbelievable guy, unbelievable, unbelievable group of guys. I, I got sent to Long Beach the first couple months of my my rookie year, which was a, which was tough. Like I going from leading the country in scoring and and almost you know I guess runner up for the Hobie Baker Award, and then three months later I'm in you know I signed an NHL contract in the summer, and then all of a sudden boom you're you're in Long Beach and you're playing the East Coast League. It's like what the, what happened there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was tough. But again, it's adversity. You know, you could have just could could have just folded up the tent and said, you know, poor me, poor me. But um, ended up getting in shape, which that's what I had to do. I had to get, get in better shape, get into pro hockey shape, which was different. Um, you know, I had to get leaner and, and quicker and, um, you know, especially back then the game was different. It was bigger, you know, more physical, the clutch and grab was still going on. Um, so I ended up doing that. And then, uh, you know, I finished the year in Providence and then my second year in Providence had a great year. Uh, it took me a little while to get in good terms with coach Gordon, <laughs> as they'll probably tell you, me, him, me, him and, and Rob Murray, uh, had a tough start. And then, you know, I think they thought I was going to be this offensive powerhouse coming in because of my senior year, but really my, my real game was more of a penalty killer gritty, you know, and I told those guys, I'm like, I don't have, I can do that. So once they, they gave me that role in Providence, um, I took it and ran with it and you know we had a great year we, we i think we set the record in the hl for wins that year no, played with guys like right? nate, yeah yeah played with guys like nate thompson matt Hendricks. i mean tuka um, rask yeah tuka tuka was a wild man um <laughs> oh <laughs> we want to we want to hear more about him. tuka but, but but do continue <laughs> no yeah it's just an unbelievable group like and then anytime you're winning like that it's because your locker room and we had an unbelievable group of guys um to be there with and and I, I ended up blocking a shot you know later in the season 
knocked all my teeth out. And I think from that point on, I was me and Gordo and Murr, Murr were, were close. Yeah. <laughs> so it took me really losing all my teeth to get on a good side of those guys. But no, it, it was a great experience for me in Providence. I loved it. Um, you know, and we bought out the playoffs a little bit early, but the NHL playoffs are always tough. You know, you, you got uh, NHL guys playing down that kind of thing, but we were a great group. So, yeah, you, you know, you, you mentioned you were roommates with, with Adam McQuaid. And as you know, he's now back with the Bruins organization and he's uh, doing player development stuff. I can't think of a better guy because, you know, he's, he's such a decent, good, you know, down to earth guy off the ice, you know, and the, of course when his skate blades would touch the ice, he wanted to kill anybody that had, um, <laughs> had another, that's that, that, that's an oversimplification, but what, you know, some guys just don't have the ability to, to to turn on that nasty. You know, they might have the size, and they just don't have it in them. And he was one of those rare players that was just so competitive, and you know, nicest guy, and and and, and really relaxed and, and down to earth off the ice. But boy, you know, once once it was time to go, you know, he I, there there weren't many tougher uh, than, yeah, than he was. Yeah, <laughs> quick story quick. He drove this tiny little Honda Civic. It was uh, he barely fit into the thing. And uh, I was like, Quitter, you know, he's probably buying a car. And I was like, no, no, no. He just, like you said, he's the most down-to-earth, nicest human being you can ever imagine. Um, and I was like, okay, this guy's maybe a little bit soft. Like, I don't know if he's going to hack it. And then the first exhibition game, <laughs> it just absolutely murdered some, someone. Uh, I was like, okay, the Quitter, dude, you're not my best buddy. I'm glad you're my roommate. So yeah, uh, yeah. just a great, great guy all the way around. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I mean, and, and, yeah, you look at the guys that were on that on that team and you guys went you went 55 18 and and seven something like that but you know pascal pelletier you've got martin carsoons jeff hogan who i know well from from the omaha area you said nate thompson and david krejci was there but then he got he got brought up to the to the bruins you know during the season and the rest is history he never never played another ahl game again but vladimir sobotka it goes on and then you know you know that was tuka rask's first full pro season in North America. So tell the, tell the Bruins fans a little bit what, what it was like to play with Tuca. I mean, everyone looks at the, uh, that clip of him throwing the milk crates uh, onto the ice uh, during one of the, one of the seasons, but you know, what, what do you think, what do you attribute his success in, in the NHL? And he's the all time Bruins wins leader in the regular season and playoffs. You know, what, what were some of the things you saw as his teammate um, and granted goalies are different, but what are some of the things you can tell the audience about Tuca and, 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 why it's probably not a surprise that he, that he went on to have the success he's had. Um, he was a, a competitor. He was a, a gamer. Um, no one was more intense about practicing. And he, every single day in practice, he was, if a puck went in his net, he was upset. You know, if you score him, he'd, you'd be sitting in line. You have to watch yourself because he might fire a puck to try to hit you in the head because he's so mad that he scored on him. Right. So not only was he an unbelievable talent and super athletic and all that, I mean, he was just as intense as it got. But off the ice, great teammate. You know, we all hung out together all the time. He was kind of learning his way as a 19. I don't know how old he was at the time. He's young, right? And I used to bring him up to Boston College and show him the, the college world a little bit. And he'd say, wow, college. Like, I didn't know about college. I should have gone to BC before. I was <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, oh, so goodness. he was just a really, really good person, um, you know, and with a with an insane work ethic and a compete level, you know, higher than any, any player I played with, you know, as a goalie. So that's, there was no, no secret that he was going to be an absolute superstar in the NHL right from day one. So, you know, it's, uh, it was really, really enjoyed playing with Tuca a lot. 
Yeah, and that that you know, hearing about goalies that hate to be scored on any time to include practice. I mean, it's it was kind of the you, you, I remember back in the day it was kind of the norm i don't know that it still is um you would know better than i i do because you're coaching younger kids and i'm sure they're out there but it just seems like so for example the guy that tuka succeeded in in boston tim thomas was notorious uh for for getting really like like he would go after guys if if they scored on him in practice and sullied too hard you know or or things like that and you know and i I, sometimes i wonder and i watch i watch some of the goaltenders and and granted a game situation is different but i just wonder if they if there is still that simmering competitiveness in a lot of the the goaltenders and i look for that um not to say that goaltenders aren't competitive in this day and age but it just seems like it's it's just different now uh, from the yeah, way it used to be. There's a lot of technical stuff going on. And like you, like you said, it's one thing to be technical, technically sound and all that and work on your skills. And same thing with the players. You know, you can do all the skill development you want in the world, all the training, all the, all this, all that. But if you don't have it inside, if you're not a competitor, if you don't hate to lose, if you don't love practicing, competing every day, you're legitimately not going to make it. Um, I don't care how skilled you are. You see at the NHL, the high end talent players, um, that they don't make it, but the reason is they don't want to compete. And, you know, um, I think it's just like you're talking about the goalies, the same thing with the players, you know? So, and then when you see someone that has it, whether it's a goalie or player, you just, as a coach now, you're like, you fall in love with it. You're like, okay, here we go. I got one. I got a good one here, you know? Right. So it's important. No, yeah, no doubt. So you ended up in Europe, you know, just obviously you were in, in different places, uh, Finland, Germany. Um, what, what, what was it like for you? And it, you're going over there and the, and how was the hockey and how was it different? And, and overall, what did you, what did you gain from and benefit from uh, having those experiences on those teams? Yeah, it was, it was different. Um, you know, playing for Scott Gordon, Providence, um, it was get the puck over that blue, you know, red line, blue line and get it deep. And then be first on pucks, be heavy, you know, shoot from everywhere at the time. Cause Gordon wanted guys just crashing the net and firing pucks and scoring dirty goals and, that was how we played in Providence and uh, you, you develop those habits and then you get over to Finland and the ice is like a soccer field. It's, it's you know, I guess not quite as big as some of the European countries, but it was a lot bigger and, and it's all puck possession game. And I'm over there just from shooting pucks from everywhere. And the Finnish, the Finnish, Finnish guys are looking at me like, you know, what are you doing here, buddy? Like <laughs> just throwing right. pucks away. So um, it took me a little bit to adjust in Finland. Uh, the off ice stuff was, was different too, you know, where you, you grow up training explosiveness and, short burst and in Finland we were running four or five, six miles a day. We had a, a Finnish coach. So that was a big adjustment for me having to I've never, you know, ran that much in my life. So I had shin splints and these guys were like, Chris, you're you're not as fast as we thought you were. I'm like, because my shin splits, I can't walk here. So wow. um, you know, that was a little bit tough just getting adjusted to the European way of, of doing things. And um, you know, I, I had I did okay in Finland, not great. And I'm getting out of there twenty games in and getting down to the DL in Germany. Um, where there was 12 imports. So, you know, the locker room was pretty much English speaking. We had a, a coach, Larry Mitchell, a Canadian guy that, um, that I really, really got along with. Um, and similar to Providence, we had unbelievable locker room. The guys were in Germany were incredible. Um, you know, just such a good group the, the German guys, the, the American guys, the Canadian guys. Um, and that's just so important in a team. You got a good room, you're going to win games and you're going to fight for each other. You're going to enjoy coming to the rink and, um, I absolutely loved playing hockey in Augsburg. That was where I was. Um, two of my favorite seasons ever. So we ended up making the playoffs my first year. Um, you get done with playoffs, and then I got to go down and ski the Alps for a couple of weeks, which was pretty sweet. Nice. Um, you know, so 
getting to travel in Europe and, you know, really all the work you did as a kid, all the way through all the grinding and, and then, you know, college and then AHL, you're playing games at bus rides. It was, it was pretty amazing to, to get to Europe and, um, you know, play in a league like that, in the DL where the fans were crazy and, you know, but when you had some time off, you could go travel, you could jump on a train and go to, go to Switzerland or go to Prague or, you know, go down and go ski in the Alps after your season was over. Cause you couldn't breach contract before that. But, <laughs> um, you know, and the second year I went back to Augsburg again, just cause I absolutely loved the group and we made a run. We almost, we almost won the DL championship there, uh, lost in the, in the final, you know, the final series to Dusseldorf, but we got back and the city of Augsburg was having parades for us. And we were riding around the streets at conquering heroes. We didn't even win the thing. So imagine if they had won it, but, um, it was a great experience. I, I love Germany. Wouldn't trade playing in Europe for anything. Um, you know, the amount of people, the network that you build over there, still go back over there a ton and visit. Um, it was a, it was a, you know, a really unique experience, but, uh, you know, absolutely. Germany fit me a little bit better than, than Finland did. Yeah. Uh, you played with Tommy Kunakel, correct? He was a bit of a yep. prodigy back mm-hmm. then. I mean, he didn't play many games, but talk about a 17 year old playing, uh, German pro that, that had to be pretty, pretty, uh, daunting challenge for him. Yeah. No, I remember his first game we were playing in Frankfurt and he was young. He just turned 17 and we had one of our top line guys was injured. So Kuneko got put on my line and he was just so young. You could tell he was going to be good, but you know, 17 year old kid playing against 30 year olds or 35 year olds. It was, it was quite the task. Um, but you know, with his sight and everything, you knew how good he was going to be. Um, and really nice kid. So I, I ended up playing with him, got to play with him back, uh, over here as well. So um, it was nice to see him succeed over in the U.S. Yeah, and you, just going back to your Finnish team that you were on, I mean, Antti Ranta was on that team, and Jeff Jilson, if I recall correctly. I mean, you, you, yeah. you, had, you had a couple interesting – but, but yeah, you, you said that – how was the culture in, in Finland compared to Germany? It was, it was tough. Um, at least for me it was tough. I, we had a Finnish coach that didn't speak English – um, you know, and I don't, I would, you know, I think the imports were signed by a, a player personnel guy. Right. So it wasn't really the coach who brought us in. Uh, he was a Finnish national team coach and I don't think he loved having the Americans there. So to be honest with you, um, and it was me and one of the, one of the Canadian guys at the time, Mark Ardalan, who was a D man played in Wilkes-Barre as well. Great guy, but we were just, we were kind of out of our element a little bit, a lot of running and didn't just didn't fit into the culture. Um, but you get down to Germany you know, like I said, you got 12 imports on each team at the time, Canadian coach, we weren't running miles. We were, it was more like an AHL uh, locker room, which, it, which I was way more comfortable, um, you know, and, and when you have, when you're comfortable and, and like same thing with confidence, you start to gain confidence, you enjoy coming to the rink. That's really what it's all about. So it's hard to be successful in an environment where you just don't, you know, you don't fit in or the culture's a little bit off. So it's, it's obviously, it's always timing and an opportunity um, but and going back to winning, it's all about the locker room and the culture. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, and so, but you, so having experienced it when you maybe didn't connect with the coach as well, how how tough is it? And and what what advice do you have for players and when they're struggling to connect with the coach or, or they're in a situation where maybe where they aren't comfortable, but maybe they don't have the option to leave. What yeah. would you What would you tell a player that's maybe struggling with that, and you know, having lived it yourself? Uh, what would you What would you tell them uh, as, as, as maybe some techniques or some advice to to maybe get around it? Things they can do to still, you know, demonstrate value and contribute and 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 find a way to get that confidence back. 
Yeah, I always say I wish I wish I would have played or you know after I coached. So now I'm coaching. You know, I see a lot of things that I'm like, man, can't believe I did that as a player. Like if I had done, you know, if I had known what it looks like from the coach's view, I would have done things differently, right? So I think the biggest thing, if you're not, if you're struggling in the beginning, which you know, again, like I talked about my whole career, that happened at every level for me. Um, you know, just work hard, show up every single day, be the first on the ice, be the, it's cliche, but be the last out of the rink. You know, if you're healthy scratched or you're not playing, you know, you get there and, you know, I, I get the anxiety, you get to the rink and you're, you're not, a, you're on the fourth line and it's a, it's a punch to the gut, you know, it's, it hurts. And you, it, how do you respond to that? Are you going to go out there in that practice and sulk and, you know, not try just, you know, it's just, coaches can see that clear as day, right? But if, you get that that stuff's happening to you and you get on the ice and you just have, you just go out there and you go right at, you know, right at the top guy and try to prove your, your spot and, and, you know, have positive energy, that kind of stuff. Like that's the stuff that's going to, that's how you're going to get out of those ruts. And that's how you're going to, you know, like I said, make it impossible for that coach not to not move you up in the lineup or play you at certain positions. So, you know, it's, it's Ryan Callahan's a perfect example. He's a guy, he worked with us here at BK now, close friend of mine since we were kids. That guy made it, by just working and blocking shots and, and changing momentum in games and didn't do it by scoring goals early on, but just did things the right way and was a, was a unbelievable teammate in the locker room, a captain, a leader. Um, that's how you got to get out of those, those slumps or, or work your way up in those lineups. Great. Tell us about BK Selects and, and what you guys are about and what you're looking for in, in, in prospective players and, and what you can offer. Uh, players and, and and the parents too, because you know they're a part of it. But what you can offer them, you know, through the experience of, of of what you're doing there in Rochester. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for like I've been saying all the last hour is is character and and culture and being a good teammate. You know, we we have a staff here at BK now that um, that it revolves around that. Like we got a I'm in the coach's office now, and you know it's a place where all of us want to come to every day. We got a great group of guys. We got 12 full-time guys on staff. Um, you know, it, everyone's coming from different backgrounds um, and everyone believes in culture. You know, we, we read a couple of books over the summer to make sure everyone's on the same page. And that resonates right down to the, to the players we have, you know, we got 80 players here, four hockey teams. Um, you know, it's super important for us, for these kids to become good teammates, to become good kids, you know, off, off the ice as well in the classroom. Um, you know, we're pretty strict on them in school, making sure that they're getting all their, Simon's done. You know, I think the goal out of here is, um, is to, to have the opportunity to play college hockey and right. You got to have the grades. You got to be the full package, you know, character kid, good teammate, um, good in school and on the ice have that edge, you know, and like I was saying earlier, you know, a lot of these players come in here to BK and they're, they're the superstars where they're coming from and whether it's out West coast or, you know, wherever they're coming from, you get here and it's hard. It's hard. And it, it, we've done, we've, we're doing that for a reason. You know, if you get here and, and, a lot of the kids are struggling and they're the third liners and they're not playing the power play and the parents are calling and they're upset about it. And Hey, listen, the kids need to learn how to struggle. They need to learn how to battle through it because I'll tell you what, the next level, that's what they're going to have to do. So, you know, we, we put them in positions here to, to, to learn the grind and, and learn to struggle, but um, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they come out of here a different hockey player and more importantly, a different person. 
Well, yeah, no, no question. You've got some Canadians as well, and you know I've, I've enjoyed watching your team. You know, whether we're talking a guy like Christian Humphreys, who I guess is now up with the 16s, but you know Gino Carson and Grant Dillard and yeah. Will Shields, and you know the, your your D's are, are really good. Um, you've got you know you're you're strong at all positions, and that's what a top ten team is consists of, right? It's it's having the players at every position impact the game, but how how are how are the the kids developing that that mindset to row hard in the same direction and, and sacrifice individual success? Because something David Wilkie always said that 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 really resonated with me, and 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 I thought is absolutely true, and it's true of anyone that's that's probably played at the high levels, and that's you know team success will drive individual success you know if, if the team's successful then you'll be successful as an individual and it just sounds like that's the culture that you're inculcating in bk yeah 100 that's we, we had all the, the players read a book this summer the book was called the hard hat uh by john gordon and it talks about a cornell lacrosse player um that was just the ultimate teammate and i remember reading that four or five years ago and i i wish i had re- i had read that when i was playing because i thought i was a pretty good teammate but you read this book and it's uh it just takes into a different level. So we had all of our players read that book. You know, our entire culture here at BK is based around the concepts from that. And we meet about it all the time. You know, our staff, we go over video every day. We do skills. We do all that stuff. But we also meet with the team about being good teammates, being good, you know, being a good brother, you know, um, making sure you're, you're, you're making your parents proud. You're not doing things here that would disrespect your family, you know, back home and, it's just really, really important. The residential life aspect, the school aspect is, is really number one here before the hockey. And you do those things right, hockey's gonna gonna be good. And you know, all the teams are top ten teams in the country. All the players are are, you know, getting better, but I think a lot of it's to do with the culture that we're establishing off the ice. Um, you know, which is really the key. Awesome. Well, I know you have a you have an engagement. I'm going to ask just for just a short amount more of time from you. We're going to do a quick rapid fire round, which is famous on the Rink Wise podcast. But again, Chris, uh, really appreciate your time today. And uh, if you're ready to go, we're going to put you on the hot seat with some rapid fire questions. Sure, let's go. It's time for rapid fire. All right. First question: Favorite hockey team growing up. Uh, Sabres. Favorite non-hockey athlete growing up? Michael Jordan. Favorite sport outside of hockey? Golf. Who has been, and it doesn't have to be one, can be several, but who has been your most respected teammate? Jeez, that's a tough one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Ben Eves from BC. Ben Eves from BC, good one. Toughest player you ever fought? Uh, Matt Green. <laughs> Best places you've played in hockey? Um, Des Moines, Boston College, and Augsburg, Germany. And uh, are you a Superman guy or a Spider-Man guy? <laughs> I'll go Superman. All right. Well, Chris, this uh, this wraps up everything. Uh, again, all the best to you and in, in your continuing your season. And uh, until next time. We'll see you at the rink. Well, that concludes our conversation with Chris Collins and our episode for today. But before we go, I want to remind you that all of our RinkWise podcasts are free and downloadable at Spotify, Apple, and on our website or any place you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at NE Hockey Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at hockeyjournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.